0: Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast.
1: This episode of Cutting Against the Grain podcast is brought to you by Meter Bluetooth Meat Thermometer. One of the hardest things for me in switching to a mostly meat diet was learning how to cook meat properly. Once I figured out that internal cooking temperatures were the key to mastering any cut of meat, everything made sense. To cook meat properly, it's important to have a quality meat thermometer. Our family has used Meter Bluetooth Meat Thermometer for many years. It takes all the guesswork out of cooking any meat, things in your oven, your stovetop, air fryer, smoker, your crock pot, any cooking method under 527 degrees Fahrenheit. There's no guesswork. The app lets you know exactly how long it needs to be cooked, when to take it off the meat, and how long to let it rest to ensure you have a perfectly cooked piece of meat every single time. This is a product I have personally used for many years, and I'm excited to partner with them now to be able to offer you a 10% off discount code for any of their meter products with code Laura 10. Just go to M E A T E R.com and use code lara 10. Thanks so much for listening and supporting our podcast. Let's get back to the show.
0: Laura and I are just going to be talking really
1: candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole nother thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to
0: diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder, the only common denominator is me.
1: Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, uh, and and stay happy and healthy and and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. Welcome to the Cutting Against the
0: Grain podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and I am here with my friend and co-host, Laura Spath. And today we are going to talk about hormones. Uh, We are going to make this uh, more of a discussion and not get into too much of the science. Um, I have a whole chapter in Carnivore Cure about hormones and also um, several YouTube videos on my Nutrition with Judy YouTube channel that talks in detail about what hormones, um, how they get affected with carbohydrate reduction, insulin sensitivity, um, and even stress on the body. Um, I will link to all of those in the show notes, but uh, essentially we'll just have a brief discussion, you know, do we need carbs for hormones? Uh, what happens to our hormones, essentially, when we are on a meat-based diet?
1: This is one of the things that we wanted to talk about. It comes up a lot, and we're both asked about it. Judy's asked about it from a scientific perspective and personally, and I get asked regularly, like, what is eating an all-meat diet or fasting and all of these things do to your hormones? I have had some low points with that, which we'll talk about later. Um, but we we really just wanted to share this perspective and uh, in, in our our history with that. If you think about our body, our body will always
0: prioritize survival over everything else. And so we need enough raw materials, whether it's enough nutrients, whether it's that we're eating nutrient-poor foods or that we're under-eating. Our body, if there is not enough nutrition, will end up using the raw materials to then um, support the body to survive another day. And so that's why often we see our hormones tank. So If you're under eating, your body has to make sure that the lights will stay on rather than focusing on that you can even make another baby or that your body can stay cold or that you'll have enough hair or that your skin will look good. All of those things will have to go out the door because your body wants you to survive another day. And so I think the most common thing I see in the meat-based slash keto space is that once we start regulating our blood sugar and our insulin and we're not having those hunger crashes in the afternoon, we kind of don't feel hungry that often. And sure, we might feel a tinge of hunger when it's that circadian rhythm that we're eating, but if we pass it, it's not a big deal compared to when we were on a, um, you know, a carb-rich diet. And so oftentimes, it kind of becomes the gateway to, well... I don't really need to eat now. And maybe I can lose some more weight, um, because I'm not hungry. And I'm going to listen to my hunger cues. Well, when you're kind of running on ketones, you're not hungry that often. And so I I think a lot of the issue, um, even for me personally, when I first started keto, I got down to one of my lower weights. And I did it naturally. And I thought, oh, wow, like I found the magic pill diet. And I realized I was under eating.
1: And I think when we talk about the hormone aspect, it's your thyroid, it's your, obviously your estrogen and its hair loss is also a sign of this. That was part of my experience. Like all of these things um, can be majorly affected. And I think they also can be affected just with a dramatic change in your body. Your body yes. goes through anything and you're going to shed, you have a baby and your body goes through trauma. That's why you shed your hair. That's why you have major hormone issues after obviously you have a baby or um, when you lose a ton of weight very quickly, or even just large weight loss, uh, from what I my, I understand, and you can help clarify this a little bit, hormones are stored in your fat. And so when you lose weight, you're releasing some hormones, which can definitely affect things up or down. Um, and it may not be a matter of what you're eating or what you're not eating, but it's simply just this really big change that your body is going through. Uh, and it's gonna take you some time to adjust.
0: If you go from a sugar burner to per- reducing ketones and having your body just fuel in a different way other than carbohydrates and now um, using fat, your hormones will absolutely change. If you're on top of that, now eating less calories because you're just never hungry, that's going to affect your hormones as well because now you have less raw materials. If your body is not used to digesting and absorbing a lot of proteins and fats there will be hormonal changes for that. Because if you don't digest and absorb your proteins, you can still be malnourished, even though you feel like you're eating enough meat. All of these things can affect your hormones. All hormones are, are essentially um, signals to basically tell other parts of the body to do things. And so again, I know that a lot of people use this argument of, well, we don't live like our ancestors, so we shouldn't be eating like them necessarily. But The thing is that we are living in a much more stressed state than our ancestors ever did. And when we are stressed, we tap into our cortisol, which is our stress hormone. It's that one mechanism that your body will prioritize as survival. So your cortisol, if your blood sugar is imbalanced, your cortisol or your adrenals have to kind of come in and save the day and try to balance your blood sugars using cortisol. Um, If you are stressed and you are not... um, Eating enough, or you're just you know just trying to get through the day, your body will pump out extra cortisol to kind of let you survive through the day. So all of these things again will then have to use raw materials, whether it's vitamin B, vitamin C, um, your salt, your adrenals love salt, and so all these things if you don't have enough, you're not digesting, absorbing. Um, you're under eating, then your hormones, your sex hormones will get affected. A lot of these hormones, we have different kinds of hormones. These all fall under the category of steroid hormones, which are derived from cholesterol. So your pathway to make cortisol is also the same pathway that you can produce progesterone and also DHEA. So if your DHEA is low, or your progesterone is low, and then you start supplementing like pregnenolone to make more of that, well, your body can use all of that to go and produce more c- cortisol.
1: Okay. So wait, I was with you till right then. What, and then you lost me a little bit with uh, so obviously you would know if your DHEA is low, if you had it tested, how yes. else might you know that your hormones or the things that you mentioned are out of whack? Like how else I knew for me, uh, I stopped having a cycle years ago, during all this in the beginning, and then also my hair was falling out. So how else could you know that your levels are off about the things that you just mentioned?
0: Sure, the biggest thing will be low energy, uh, and then losing your period. So there's so many tests that people take that will measure their estrogen, the estradiol, all the different forms of the different types of estrogen, and then progesterone. But Most people get those tested because their energy is low. They're losing their hair and they're losing their period. And they're just like, what's going on? And maybe they're also gaining weight. The thing is, since hormones are basically signals, um, whether it's your thyroid or your sex hormone, really the whole endocrine system, if you think about all of the hormones, it's like this big, giant cobweb. And if you are not eating enough and eating the right macronutrients or micronutrients, then your body is going to just prioritize whatever it needs to to survive another day. And then the rest of the things will shut down. And so simplistically, that's all we need to really understand. The reason why I'm such a big fan of um, consuming fat is that whole steroid hormone, all of those hormones that are made from cholesterol, I mean, they use fat. So if you're highly stressed, you're dealing with trauma, you're obviously going to need more cortisol to be surviving every day. Then if you're adding a bunch of carbs, now your blood sugar is getting imbalanced. And now you even need more cortisol to even balance blood sugar. So then think about what happens to DHGA and all those other steroid hormones. They're just going to get ignored for a little bit because your body, again,
1: wants to have you survive one extra day. So the poor sleep. Yeah. You talk about poor sleep. So that's a huge thing. And also then the physical stress is, I think we see a lot of people who are thin and exercising a tremendous amount and fasting, uh, and under eating, like all to, I mean, i I can talk about it in a little bit, but that was my like perfect storm of terrible, um, compounded, you know, things that caused my hormone issues, but the physical over exercising and under eating all those combinations, I think is kind of where people, uh, where I see a lot of problems.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's they all use cortisol, right? So if your blood sugar goes up, you can assume that your cortisol is also increasing. So when you don't sleep um, in a night, and you don't sleep well, your cortisol is typically higher, your blood glucose is even higher normally the next day. Uh, And then that's why some people get cravings when they don't sleep enough, they just have more cravings than normal.
1: Or also why, sorry, we, we also talked about tracking and like not putting so much stock into tracking, but if you don't sleep well for a night, you could have eaten the same thing two days in a row, but you don't sleep as well one night, or you're having a really stressful, emotional argument with your spouse the night before, and you could wake up the next morning and your glucose is so much higher. And so putting so much stock in one day's numbers is sometimes not as helpful. And I think we got into that previously, but it, it, it's important to realize there's so much context that goes into the numbers and, and testing that we share. If you think about that cortisol helps to
0: balance your blood sugar, but it's also sort of the stress hormone that helps you kind of survive. Well, then if you think about if you're stressed in a day, your cortisol and if cortisol is also balancing your blood sugar, then they're very interrelated. And so it's, Obvious that it would get affected. That if you're stressed, your blood sugar is imbalanced. You're eating more carbs. All your cortisol will go up and down a lot more, or you will need to produce more from your hormones. Same thing goes with exercise. If you exercise a lot, you will release a lot of cortisol. Um, same thing with the sleep, stress. So all of these things impact cortisol. And again, if you're not, if you're eating like super lean protein, like, like chicken breast, for example, you don't have the, the raw materials now to produce the steroid hormones. So where do you think your period's gonna go? Your body still needs to produce cortisol for you to survive, but well, there goes your progesterone and your DHEA and the other steroid pathways.
1: And having some cortisol can be a good thing. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Tell- correct me if I'm wrong. Have Like stressing your body and pushing it so it can grow and heal, doing some exercise uh, and then having your body recover from that and grow is important, but it's when you're combining too many things like poor sleep, too much exercise, and you're under eating, uh, then all of those things combine as where you're, you're like you said, you go into survival mode, and your hormones uh, are going to be negatively affected, or your hair is going to start shedding because you've just combined too many stressors.
0: Yes, no, that's exactly it. We need cortisol. Cortisol is not a bad thing. It's just that our lives are just naturally um, a lot more stressed than it, we probably should be living. And so for that reason, cortisol has a bad name, but it's just, it's a culmination of a lot of it. I mean, you can essentially eat maybe a hundred grams of carbohydrates a day. If you don't have stress in your life, you're not over-exercising, you're not super thin, you're not under eating, you're not over fasting, right? You, like if you remove all these other cortisol factors, then maybe eating a hundred grams is not a big deal, right? But that's where it becomes really bio-individual. I know for me, my sleep, I, I guess I get a good... Un- amount of sleep, but it's not very regulated. So I don't sleep at the same time every single day. So I'm sure my cortisol is higher for that reason. Girl, um, you
1: have the worst <laughs> sleep habits. I love you. But we all know you don't sleep nearly enough. And you're always up in the middle of the night. That's when you post your stories. We know you're up all hours of the night. But <laughs> yeah. So we know that's a factor. So you got to limit other factors. Right? No. So that's exactly
0: it. That's what I was going to say. So some days when I really get little sleep, so like four hours, and sometimes I'll check my blood sugar, and I'm like, oops, okay, I could totally see it in my blood sugar and that's when i know well that day for sure i should not be eating carbs right because it's just going to make my body have to produce more cortisol and and so those are some of the days that i may eat more fat to make
1: sure i'm satiated or like- eat more often so you're not increasing fasting on a day like i know if i'm really rested and in a really good mood that's a good time for me to be fasting versus i'm super stressed i'm emotional and i haven't been sleeping well is not a good time for me to add fasting The overarching point is that anything
0: that requires our hormones to um, be produced, and we have to remember that everything that's done in our body requires nutrients, requires energy, and the culmination of a lot of things is what will impact our hormones. And so if you are like, I want to eat carbs, well, then maybe you just have to you know, exercise a little less, like not do CrossFit every day. So these are these levers that you have to figure out for yourself to see what will help you with your hormones. Um, I, I do see that there's a trend where people are eating um, a little leaner proteins lately. And that's fine. If you still have your hormones, if you still have your period, I'm all with you, right? If you're sleeping through the night, but if you're not, and now you're eating more of these egg whites and I would make sure to eat some more fat. I think that's definitely
1: the trend right now is not necessarily an ex- calorie restriction or not necessarily like an intentional calorie restriction, but there's definitely like a, you know, I think six months ago, everybody was adding butter to everything. I'm still in that phase myself, but like right now it's not, don't add any fats and then eat like leaner steaks or incorporate some leaner meat days and some, you know, un. Unbuttered uh, seafood. And I think that the goal for this right now is weight loss or muscle building and all of those things can be beneficial, but without intending to, you're instantly cutting your calories. And so there's a lot yeah. of people right now who are under eating, just from what I see when people post their food and they say, oh, this is my OMAD for the day, or these are my two meals for the day. And you, you, you kind of just in your head know what those calories are and it's a thousand calories. It's under a thousand calories in a lot of cases. Um, In order for me to get enough calories in my one or two meals, I do have to add enough fat to it. And so I, I understand the trend of eating leaner to lose weight. I've done that. I do that occasionally as well. It works really well for my husband. When I think back to where I was three years ago, or I guess two and a half years ago when I did start having hormone issues, it was because I was eating steaks every day. I never added butter to things. I was cutting out the big chunks of fat. I really was eating under eating because I just didn't understand what I was eating. And it was just simply, even though it was beef every day, it still was leaner than I needed. And then the calories really just didn't add up um, for the amount of fasting and exercise that I was doing. So that I am concerned about what happens three months from now, six months from now. Um, to the trend and hopefully we can see people healing and healthy and making sure they do what works for them and not thinking that they have to add carbs because they've tanked their hormones. I, I I am scared for that, to be honest.
0: I think it's interesting and I don't know if people see these trends, but literally just a few months ago, it was the MCT oil trend and then now it's right. the a total-
1: opposite it's a whole bunch of fat to everything and then drink some extra fat and now it's like okay wait that i gotta now i gotta really lean out and i'm just i don't want people to pivot to the i need carbs for my hormones in three months from now
0: my concern um you know i've been looking a lot into this higher protein um just because i'm interviewing some people soon about it okay so i think you can do protein sparing modified fast or basically basically leaner meats, um, not just chicken breast, but let's say even like a leaner beef beef cut. I think you could do that maybe two times a week to lose weight. And I think that's fine. Your hormones, your calories, your metabolic, it'll get tricked because most of the days you're still eating um, like 70% fat. And I think that'll be fine. But if you try to just eat that way consistently, the danger is that we get most of our energy from either proteins, I'm sorry, fats or carbs. And so when you start dialing down the fat, and you're only eating protein, and again, I'm guessing that this is like super lean proteins, like shrimps and just like chicken breast, which I don't think most people are doing. But if they are, the risk is like that rabbit starvation. You know, there's truth in that requires energy within your body to break down meats, you're not going to get as many of the calories stored in your body. And so that's why you also lean out. But then you're going to also always be ravenous from that without the extra fat to give you that supportive energy. I think the reason why keto folks can do the higher protein without adding a bunch of fat is because they have the vegetables to kind of satiate them. So this is the concern I have. So I don't know if you can do carnivore lean, right? So you may be able to do keto lean because then you start adding veggies that kind of bloat you that give you fiber that make you feel fuller, there's more satiety. But if you're eating carnivore without the plants, but then you're eating mostly egg whites, which has seriously like maybe just protein, a little bit of potassium, a little bit of magnesium, but that's it. The The nutrients are all in the egg yolks. My concern is, like you were saying, um, which the end result will be hormone tanking, but my concern is n- poor nutrient density. So you can eat all the egg whites and then you can maybe eat some chicken breast, but if that's really all you're eating, there may be nutrient deficiencies, right? From eating just egg whites, which don't have a lot of nutrition other than that it has protein. It's almost back to the MCT of, Okay, MCTs have some nutrition, not a lot, but it's mostly just fat. Well, now we're doing the same with just egg whites with like minimal nutrition in them.
1: Or even ground beef is really lean. And I think even, you know, people think they buy fatty ground beef or eating burger patties. If you're eating nothing but burger patties uh, and seafood, that's extremely lean. Uh, And to be able to get enough nutrients, the volume that you would have to eat in that to really get your calories for the day. um, I think that's the part that I'm seeing is people eating some beef but they're doing things like seafood with with no added fat to it. And so then you're eating such a really low number of calories. And that's my concern is for their metabolism and for just their health overall um, and really just feeling, like we said, feeling satisfied or just being healthy and vibrant and having a lot of good energy. Um, for me, I know I definitely feel negative and kind of feel really crummy uh, after a few days of doing that.
0: My experience with even just eating, I would say it's like 65% fat, but if I ate like just New York strips and cut off some of the fat on those, by day two or three, I'm in this um, pantry looking for something to munch on, whether it's, you know, cheese or sausages or um,
1: pork rinds, but I'm not satiated like when I'm eating full fat. And that's what Chris pointed out to me is that maybe that's where a lot of my snacking with cheese comes in is like, maybe you're eating too lean. And then it just makes me I mean, like, I just end up snacking on cheese and kind of it leads me off on this crazy, you know, almost like snacking binge. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I think that's the concern I have. But, you know, there's always trends that are like ebbs and flows. And so I'm sure people will try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't. But for some people it might work. Um, You know, I I think the balanced approach would be just maybe doing it two times a week, um, if you want to try to cut weight or if or do extended fasting like you do. Um, But that really depends on you. And I think you did a um, Instagram live about talking about that, right?
1: The The biggest difference is just making sure I think everybody thinks we need enough protein. I'm much happier that we're doing the high protein trend right now, versus the, you know, super high fat, super low protein, which I think is sometimes uh, helpful for healing. Um, but I think that I'm, I personally like that people are focusing on getting enough protein, because I do think that was kind of a problem for a little while, um, for some people. But and I do think that was part of my Part of my issue um, back in the day as well. So, for context, so I I had actually lost all of my weight before I started sharing anything on Instagram. I had posted my before and after, like my final before and after, like I lost 120 pounds um, picture, which is when I started really sharing my story. And and so, I went through a lot of this hormone stuff um, before or early on in all of that. Before I had a YouTube channel and before I started doing this, so. I had lost all this weight and I noticed that my hair had started falling out. Um, And then I just, my cycles got super far apart. And then all of a sudden they just stopped. And so I didn't even realize it. And then all of a sudden one day it's like, wow, it's been a couple of months since I had a cycle. Like I wonder what's going on. I went to the doctor and I got my levels checked and my estrogen was like really, really low. Um, And for somebody who had this really big, apron belly. From my understanding, you know, you carry people who have very high estrogen levels tend to carry this, like almost like a beer belly. And I had this very big, I carry all my weight in my belly. You know, guys who end up with a beer belly, I think tend to have too much estrogen. And so I had very high levels of estrogen, which is why I had this really, um, protruding belly. And so when I lost 120 pounds in 10 months, um, I lost it mainly with carnivore, lots of fasting, but I think I look back on those original posts. If you look back on my post from two and a half years ago, after I started sharing, I would post like my lunch for the day. I would have, I started working out at the end. I got a little obsessed with going to the gym and I was doing these really intense workouts, weightlifting, hour long, intense, uh, weightlifting. And then I would post my food and you see me standing there like really thin. And it's like, OMAD for the day. And it was one pound of steak, like one pound of ribeye with no added fat. And I had just done a, on my, on my workout days, I would eat maybe a pound and a half. But again, I was the context you don't see there, which I didn't realize until later, I was cutting out all of the internal fat, really not eating any of that. So even though it's a ribeye, it was a pretty lean ribeye by the time I cut out all the fat I'm doing this intense exercise and I had just lost. So my body was going through stress already of losing so much weight so quickly. I was fasting at least two 48 hour fasts a week, if not more. I was now added exercise, which is about the time that my hormones were there. And I'm way under eating. You know, if you go back and look at some of those super original posts and I know how much fat I cut out of it. I know I was down towards like a thousand calories and for everything that I was doing, it just, was the perfect storm of bad, uh, bad, whatever, you know? Um, and so that's what caused my issues. So I went to the doctor and I found out I had these very low estrogen levels and their first suggestion to me was like, take some, uh, take hormone supplements, which is obviously not what I wanted to do. And so I gave it more time. Um, unfortunately at the time, the majority of the advice that was out there was you need to eat carbs, like add in sweet potatoes, add in fruit, add in honey, add in all of these other things. And it's, I wanted, I wasn't closed off to that, but I wanted to just see kind of evaluate. And like, we talk about all the time, analyze what you're doing in reverse. So what was I doing? And that was the first time that I realized like you're over exercising and you're over and you're under eating. Like that's the combination that's terrible. And so you know, I got some good advice from people in this community that I trust that were saying you need to focus on sleep, stress, sex. You need to have make sure you're eating enough. Um, and really, that's the biggest thing. That's what I changed. I made I felt, prioritized sleep. I started going to bed earlier. I started adding fat to things like that was a biggest wake up call for me was you have to actually eat fat. And if you're not going to eat the fat in the steak, then you need to start Adding other fats in. So that's back when I started adding butter to things. Um, and then really just I kept exercising and I kept fasting, but I just, you know, decreased the frequency of both of those things. And then eating enough on the days when I wasn't fasting um was definitely really, really key. So I cut back to at least, you know, at most one 48-hour fast a week because I had been doing it. And then eating enough. And then, you know, lo and behold, within a couple of months, I got my cycle back. And now for the last two years, things have been really consistent and really perfect and and great. So that was a long story to say that, you know, that's just my personal experience. I was I do think that a combination of all of those things was what caused my issues. However, um, I also didn't need to add in the quick fix of carbs. The thing I'll say about adding carbs in is that carbs make you hungrier. And spike your blood sugar. And so I think one thing that naturally happens when people add in carbs is they just start eating more. And so we see people who are under eating and now all of a sudden go into like adding carbs to their diet. Well, now they're hungrier more often. And they also maybe chill out on some of the fasting or chill out on some of the exercise. And now they're just eating way more calories, which is really all that their body wanted in the first place was just more nutrients I was going to ask you how long it took you to lose your period about a year. So from the very first day until the end, it was it was just under a year. And I had lost 120 pounds by that point. Like I pretty much was done losing weight. Um, there's also a question of like, was I too thin or what happened during that time as well? But I do think that um, it was just under a year. Yeah,
0: I find it so interesting that we think we need carbs for our hormones, but most people eat carbs. And then they can say, well, it's because they also eat PUFAs or polyunsaturated fatty acids. And that's why they lose their period. But um, it's it's just interesting to me, because if you think about a lot of the paleo dieters, they eat really clean, right? They eat meats, they eat organ meats, they eat, and and they just eat fruits, right? It's carnivore plus sweet potatoes and fruit. Right. And There's a lot of people in that space that do not have their period and have thyroid imbalances. And so I know that there's a lot of fear out there about not getting carbs, and that's our fuel source. But I mean, fatty acids are a cleaner fuel source. And there are so many diets that are clean um, that they keep in some carbs, and people are still struggling. So I just, the logic just kind of blows my mind of, well, you can look at that diet and notice that people are still struggling. So I don't think it's just the carbs. I have so many clients that, yes, they had to eat a little bit more. Yes, they maybe gained a little bit more weight than they wanted, but they have their period every month like clockwork, even though they're struggling with other bigger imbalances in their body. Maybe it's, you know, um, gut issues or just, just bigger things but they still get their period because they're eating enough. And they're eating nutrient dense foods that are still balancing their body. And now granted, I tell them, you know, don't do too much exercise um, right now while you're healing, Um, make sure to prioritize sleep and balance stress and all of these things. But I mean, I have so many clients that get their period back, and they do not eat carbs. And so it's unfortunate, because there's just so much noise out there. That is very pro carbs, but it's just it may work. It may just be that you're eating more calories. But it's just unfortunate that a lot of the reasons we get sick is because we eat in a excess of carbs.
1: And I knew that. That's that was my fear. I was terrified when somebody, you know, had suggested like maybe you need to add in sweet potatoes, maybe you need to add in berries. Like there's a part of me that that was terrified that I would gain all my weight back. And I knew that if I started trying to incorporate a few small carbs and like, look, keep, I was going to, go crazy mentally. And I thought like, it's worth me just figuring this out on my own first and seeing if I can't handle this without carbs. And this was several years ago before anybody really knew there wasn't all these amazing resources out there that we have right now of people educating us like you and the carnivore cure and some of these really great podcasts and doctors in this space who are now really preaching this message that you don't need carbs for your hormones. We didn't have that several years ago. And I was, terrified enough that I would gain all my weight back and then I would just go off the rails by eating those few carbs that I needed to just try. I was like, maybe this isn't the way I need to do it, but I have to just try anyway. And so then, you know, it took a lot of work. I had to really prioritize sleep and, um, you know, the other things that I mentioned, it might've been faster and easier for me just to eat carbs and sugar, but I knew I couldn't handle that because, you know, I knew I had to start eating more and that wasn't a comfortable thing to do in the in the beginning. Hormones are produced
0: from fats and proteins. I mean, it's just as simple as that. And so I know that there's a group of people that believe that carbs is what will support your metabolic health and your hormones. But again, no hormone is produced by carbohydrates. So the natural logic is why would your body Require a macronutrient that is not used as a substrate for anything in your body. So, why is there that? Like, why do people think that you need carbs for hormones in that case? Okay, so your brain does use certain parts of your brain. I think there's certain parts of um, other parts of your body that require glucose, but your body can produce it through eating proteins through gluconeogenesis and stuff. But because of that reason, there are people that believe that therefore you should be using glucose. Like, why? put that stress on your body to make glucose from your other meats when you could just eat the sugar itself and not have to require that work. But it's a very small view of the bigger picture, right? Because again, if your blood sugar is imbalanced, if you've had diabetes, well, that extra glucose to just fuel your brain, and maybe you need very little of it. But if you have any little bit of excess, well, now that's an additional strain on your body right, from eating the extra glucose. So it's, what I see in the nutrition space is that people hold on to these small truths, and then they kind of create theories around it. And it just makes sense. Um, And I think people want to own a certain space in the nutrition space and say, this is it, right? It's either oxalates or lectins, um, or it's, it's organ meats or, or, or it's poofers. Poofers, right. So it's always something and I get it. Um, you get into research rabbit holes, and you're like, this is it. But then I interview so many different experts, and they are so sure that all disease stems from their specialty. And I've just realized that it really depends on your situation, right? So you may be affected by plastics and estrogen and all this stuff in your body. And so you will believe that that is the disease for everyone. But the reality is everyone is going to get affected by different things. Um, I was just talking to Dr. Cy West and oxalate toxicity is real. I see a lot of people dump from it. I used to eat a pound of spinach every day with almonds Mm -hmm. and probably every oxalate food you could think of. I never had oxalate dumping. So these are the things, right? So for me, I would have said, oh, without working with people, I would say, oh, oxalates are not a real thing. But it absolutely is because I see it in my clients. It really depends on your story that then you believe this is the the reason or the case. But a lot of the people that are supporting that metabolic diet are very, very young. And so, yeah, sure, you probably don't have diabetes right now. But for people that are older that have struggled with metabolic disease, it's probably not the smartest to eat too many carbs just because um, it will be a greater tax on the body, on the hormones you know, need really the raw materials to support producing cortisol for your sex hormones and your other hormones and not having to focus on using the cortisol to balance your blood sugar.
1: And I think you and I both talk a lot about how if that's if a perfect diet for you in your mind is to eat a lot of meat and to have some sweet potatoes and some seasonal berries and a few things like that, a few seasonal veggies and fruits uh, occasionally, you totally enjoy that there. That's absolutely a whole foods, like very healthy um, that keeps you healthy. It lets you exercise. If you're somebody who's thin and fit and exercises a ton, those quick burning carbs might be essential for you and it might be really beneficial for you. But I think a lot of people are like me and that are can't handle the moderation of carbs and that are overweight and we're pre-diabetic or diabetic and struggle with keeping their weight down and tend to overeat those things. And we're not all sitting around craving a sweet potato. We're sitting around craving pizza. And so if that's you, this other type of extreme approach and like figuring out just making sure you're eating enough fat and making sure you're getting enough protein and all these good meats and things are great. And it's not, I don't think we, I'm not lo- sitting here looking forward to the time when I can like incorporate sweet potatoes back into my diet. Um, and I'm not, you know, it's not something I'm working towards or something I'm interested in. But the key to all that is that I am perfectly healthy and I have great hormone regulation and I have perfect levels and I didn't need to take supplements to get here. There are ways and, you know, things that you can adjust to um fix those things or to ensure you have a good hormone cycle without needing to incorporate carbs into it so if you want to great but you don't need to
0: i have clients that say you know they just do better with a little bit of berries or a little bit of honey and then i'll track their food because the number one complaint they have though is that my energy is tanking and i need to eat a little bit of carbs and then i'll feel better and then, as we do their food journals and things like that, I realize they're not really producing ketones, but then they're all having kind of that blood sugar imbalance where they are still their body is using the little bit of sugar that they add to their bodies. And maybe at the end of the day, they're eating over a hundred grams. but and in the standard American diet, that may seem like a small amount of carbs for that particular client, it was enough to put them on the sugar insulin roller coaster give them hot flashes at night, and make them tired throughout the day. And then them thinking, well, carnivore isn't working for me. And I kept saying to that person, you need to cut out all the carbs first and just try carnivore. And they never have, but then they think they're carnivore just because they're eating mostly meat, but they're still having these drips of sugar throughout the day. So it was berries and like spoonfuls of honey every few hours. And I see it over and over. And I think people think, no, I'm carnivore, but I'm just having a little bit. And that's ancestrally um, consistent, but it's not. People didn't If you're not
1: exercising, then, yeah, (laughs) okay. If you're not exercising, you're basically living, you're not burning that sugar off. And so, or like intense exercising, you're basically living in that keto flu or that like balance of not in ketosis, like you said, and then not quite burning sugar. And that feels miserable. For those of us that had to really withdraw from carbs, that that's a really miserable place to be and you're right. They're just living in that middle place, which is why I tell like my mom, you can't have chips and salsa occasionally. You can't have like you can have your little one square of dark chocolate, but you can't have keto treats every day and you can't have these little indulgences every because then you're basically living in this miserable, physically terrible place.
0: Yeah, and then a lot of those people when they eat the full carbs or they just add back a decent amount of carbs, so like a cup of rice or something, they're like, I feel so much better. And it's because they chose the path of subsisting on glucose as energy. And initially they may feel better, but I have, I do have some clients that have come back and said, okay, the carb thing didn't work out for me. So, I know it's not easy to just eat meat and um, very little carbohydrates, but it's not what is causing the low energy. It is not what's causing the hormones to break down. I think people need to be honest. I just have worked with hundreds of clients at this point and anyone that has not had their period with me has gotten their period back and none of them added carbs. If they want to add it in the future, I'm totally supportive of that, but they know that my stance is you do not need carbs. And some of them have even tried some of these, you know, metabolic diets for six months to hopefully get their period back. And this one particular client, they had their period one time for a full 12 months, went on that, um, you know, repeat metabolic diet for six months, didn't get it back, and then started eating higher fat, moderate protein. um, And they got their period back within two months of working with me and now gets it every month. And so, yes, she's gained weight, Um, but she was really thin before. So she's not, you know, but she she loves her health is so much better. And so it was worth it for her to gain
1: some of that weight. I'm sorry. That's also where I'm making sure I don't lose too much weight. Right. Like I had gotten down. Maybe that was a factor I'm kind of taking everything very slow right now to ensure that I can be the weight that my body wants to be the healthiest weight and not necessarily looking to be the thinnest weight, but seeing where is my healthiest weight uh, as far as hormones and my hair and and nutrients and all these things as well. Yeah, as long as you
0: use the measures of are you sleeping well? um, You know, are you pooping well? Do you have good digestion? Is your hair, like the amount of hair, is it good? And and your cycle is normal. All of these things are good signs that you probably don't really need to get tested. Sometimes I think that these like Dutch hormones, and I mean, I, I, I saw the Dutch test I offered to my clients, but sometimes the details that we get into, I think sometimes it can be a detriment to us because then we're trying to focus in on these perfect models But we may not fit it perfectly because we eat a meat-based diet. I just did a stool test on someone, and they had more muscle fibers. And when I looked into the research of why, it's because if you don't eat plant foods, you have more muscle fibers. So it's actually normal, but it was marked as abnormal on his test. And it's just these things that are nuances that we're like, well, we don't fit the standard American diet's results, but maybe we're not really supposed to. And maybe we measure it more based on our symptoms right? So if you're sleeping through the night, you have your period, then maybe it doesn't matter if some of your hormones are not perfectly perfect. Um, But one thing I was going to say is you touched upon the high fat, uh, very low protein, I am not an advocate of that whatsoever. Um, I have seen way too many clients that were doing like three ounces of meat per meal, and maybe three meals a day, maybe four, and eating like 90% fat, and their thyroid, their hormones got wrecked. And so that is something that I am not a fan of. Um, I just want to make it clear that when I say I'm a fan of high fat or moderate fat pro, um, protein carnivore diets, I think that you need to eat at least 0.8 grams or one gram per one pound of ideal body weight. So that's pretty of protein. Of protein, And that's actually more protein than the standard American diet. I think it recommends 0.6 grams. So that will kind of give you a baseline. Um, But fat, I think maybe 70% is good, maybe 80 while you're healing. But if you eat 80 plus the 0.8 or 1 gram, you're totally going to gain weight. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But yeah. for healing, I think it may be okay. But if you're eating too little protein, the risk is you will crash your thyroid hormones. Because I've said this so many times now, but T4 is made from only tyrosine, which is proteins. And it's made from iodine. So, and then T3 is then converted by the cleave off of the iodine from the T4. So, so,
1: where do you get those things like the iodine and the, like those things you just mentioned, like yeah. what do I eat to get enough of those? So,
0: tyrosine is in most meats. So, as long as you're eating sufficient protein, you should be fine. Um, that's why when people are losing hair, that is normally regulated by your metabolism, which is your thyroid. So, you want to make sure you're eating sufficient protein. And that'll kind of cover that. I don't think you need to ever, I've yet to have a client that needed to supplement
1: that. But that's one of those things that like, that's when I was dealing with hair loss and hormone issues. I was eating steaks. I was living on steaks, but I was eating about a pound of them a day. And that is still under eating protein. Like I was even before that, when I was doing keto, before I had switched to carnivore, I was eating like two hot dogs wrapped in a low carb tortilla. And then maybe like, um, a burger patty with a big cabbage slaw on the side, and I looked back at those trackings from three years ago before I switched to carnivore fully, and I was eating 50, 60 grams of of protein a day, and that's essentially when my hormones instantly started tanking, and all my hair started falling out. Was that was that to me was the catalyst, and it took a long time for me to recover from that. So
0: I'll give you context. Um, so I'm just going to give you a a full day's worth of eating. If you were about 140 pounds. Um, and that's your kind of ideal body weight, um, I would say that the lowest you should eat is about maybe like 115 grams of protein. And then if you want to do 70 to 80% fat, like this is how much you would recommend it to eat, like on my recommended protocol. So if you were to eat 16 ounces of ribeye, uh, four ounces of salmon, and you could eat the ribeye, it doesn't matter. I'm just giving you diversity. Um, And then you eat maybe four pieces of bacon, three egg yolks, and two tablespoons of butter. And that's throughout the day. So that's about 117 grams of protein is what I just told you. And granted, this is from MyFitnessPal. So it's probably not super accurate. But still, it's at least probably like 22 ounces of meat a day for somebody that's Ideal weight is 140. And this is um, the total calories on this is less than 2,000 calories. So if you're trying to lose weight, obviously this is going to probably make you gain a little weight because the fat's at 76%. But this is where then on other days you could eat the protein part, but then cut the fat. So you may want to just cut the egg yolks, cut the butter, and you'll still probably be at 1,200 calories or 13. But I wouldn't do that every day. day. But I would, yeah. Or you could fast. Um, But I would never, Undereat your protein. Like I've always been a fan of at least that 115 grams of protein for 140 pound person. Um, and some people say 140 grams of protein. But you never want to undereat that because that's what will impact your thyroid. So you have to also assume that sometimes if your digestion is not good, and your body is not used to breaking down that much protein, um, some of it will not get absorbed well. And so you have to know that, you know, I would even hedge in the beginning to eat more um, and just get to a healthy state and then you can cut like weight loss is always possible, but your health and hormones is
1: not. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's definitely where I started, uh, kicking off my issues was just that under eating protein and then compounding all those other things on top of it. And so, like you said, your health is, has to be the most important thing. And I think unfortunately that's not, a that wasn't my focus for a long time, um, Uh, losing weight and and being thin was much bigger important uh, to me than than being healthy was unfortunately i had a
0: client that said her mom always had thyroid imbalances and sure enough she has very similar ones so it's not always the diet it could be even toxins in our environment right if you use a lot of perfumes that causes stress in the body, which releases cortisol. If you
1: are surrounded by wait, like- whoa, Wait, hang on. why? I've never heard that before. How does perfume cause stress to cause those
0: issues? I've never heard that. So um, I interviewed Dr. Anthony J a long time ago. He has a book called, I think it's called Estrogenic Nation. But basically like the essential oils, they all, um, sometimes they will mimic estrogen in your body. And so they will cause imbalances- in your body and then an excess of estrogen will then cause stress on your body the cortisol release yeah so i mean really it's like everything that's why kevin always says to me judy based on everything you research like you got to live in like a bubble right so it could be the smog from your car um your filters getting on an airplane the emfs right all of these things cause stress on your body and then the stress on your body will release more cortisol so when we say it's just the carbs, I find it really funny because why don't we yeah. just reduce other stressors and then see if it's really the carbs? I mean, if a carbohydrate is not a essential macronutrient, then why do we put so much weight and value on it to think that it would be essential for our hormones? Like the logic for me s- simply for that is not there. Um and the one thing I just wanted to do is read something that Dr. Elizabeth Bright, she's a hormone specialist. Um, She's a naturopath. And she wrote something on hormones about um, do hormones need carbs. And I thought it was really good. So I just wanted to read it really quickly. Um, I guess people have been saying that women need carbs during the follicular cycle because um, we're more insulin sensitive then. And so here's what she says to that. Uh, women do not need carbs during their follicular cycle. Adolescent women do not, and adult women do not either. Just because higher estrogen levels during this phase increase insulin se- sensitivity, it does not mean you need to busy your insulin by mopping up the carbs. If needed, gluconeogenesis produces plenty of glucose. I think it would be a better idea to keep the insulin sharp and ready, or simply allow your pancreas to relax and concentrate on making lots of digestive enzymes. So I'm going to stop really quickly right there. When she brings up the pancreas, I think that's really important because a lot of people that have diarrhea or loose stools or, you know, just inconsistent bowel movements on a carnivore diet, it's because their pancreas oftentimes are not producing enough digestive enzymes to break down and um, break down their fatty acids and proteins to then have normal stools. So, I mean you know, she's basically saying that maybe you have your pancreas not have to produce so much insulin and instead focus on the digestive enzymes to break down your fats and
1: proteins. Like fix that first. Okay, so Judy, let me say something dumb, because I had to Google it myself because I don't know I hear everybody talking about the follicular phase. And so I googled it. Okay, because I never know when that means in your cycle, but it is the time between the first day of the period and ovulation. And so basically like as soon as you start your period, which maybe is why people think they get like chocolate cravings and all these things when they're on their cycle. Um, but those first couple of weeks is when the presumed time you need carbs is right. So that's what she's talking about.
0: Yeah. So you're more insulin sensitive then, meaning that, you know, when we are on a ketogenic or, um, our carnivore diet, we're generally more insulin sensitive. So then when our, we eat carbs our blood sugar goes up, that's why oftentimes if you have your period and you fast, you can fast better because your insulin, your, your insulin's working better. You're more sensitive to any insulin. And so that's why also, um, the week before your period, you become more insulin resistant. So if you eat, let's say, um, The same amount of protein you would eat during the insulin-sensitive part of your cycle, your blood sugar might go up because you're more insulin-resistant. Your your body's not using the um, insulin as well. And so I have some clients that then eat higher fat right before their period, and they cut down their protein just by a little bit, and they actually feel better. So there are some nuances. I get it. It's tracking is cool, but sometimes I think...
1: (laughs) You know. Yeah. Do you need to? Do you really need to? Right. I, I realized looking back at a at a video that I made tracking what I eat that I just naturally kind of lose my appetite that first day. And so I just don't eat. And that's a really easy day for me to fast because I typically just don't feel like eating as much. But I only noticed that looking backwards uh, at how things were going. And so Um, Same thing with I tend to like lose weight only about one week a month and it's the week after my cycle. I don't know why hormonally, but it's just naturally when my body is like, okay, we've been consistent for a month and now we're ready to lose a couple of pounds. Um, And that's typically when my body is just ready to kind of let go of that. But Um, I think it's helpful in giving you a goal to look forward to or something to work towards. But again, like there doesn't need to be this obsession with today's day seven of my cycle. I have to eat this and today's day 22 of my cycle and I have to eat this. Like, Unless you're really trying to have a baby or you're trying to fix something major, that level of detail is probably not needed for most people if
0: you're trying to fine tune an area, like if you're trying to fine tune your thyroid um, hormones or your sex hormones, and that's why you're tracking fine. But sometimes I think this obsession over nutrition or getting perfect in a diet. I mean, sometimes I get the question of, are you sure Judy, you can eat a meat based only diet forever and have good gut microbiome. And then I just think, girl, you've been eating a 50 years of your diet crappy standard American diet processed foods, you probably took antibiotics throughout the way, which really kills your microbiome. And now you're worried that a meat diet may affect your microbiome. Try it for a few years, you can always get tested. And for sure, again, the microbiome will shift. But I mean, who's to say, no one knows definitively what a perfect microbiome looks like or a healthy one. And then from there, you can always you know, just like the antibiotics kill off your gut microbiome, you could, right. um, let's say the meat diet ruins your microbiome, you can always eat your prebiotics, you could have your sauerkraut, and then have your probiotics. And I, I think sometimes we get, you know, I know the devils in the details type of thing, but I think also we get kind of very... Um, pigeonholed, or we just start looking too into the details. And then that causes a stress in itself. We need to find the perfect diet. We need to find the perfect exercise. How many many times should we exercise in a month? How many times should we, you know, eat or fast or exercise or um, eat protein? And it's like, what macros are perfect for me? And
1: it's just Relax. Comparing blood work, right? We're yeah, not, we're, everybody sits there and, comp, even like the big name doctors in this space get all bro and like start comparing blood work to try to like prove who's right organs or no organs, like based on their blood work. Like it gets a little ridiculous. Yeah. That itself honestly causes stress. So, yeah. uh,
0: you know, if anything, I would say reduce stress more than deciding if you should eat carbs or not. If you want to eat carbs one day and you can tolerate it, go ahead, you know. Do that.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But you shouldn't feel like that. That's what you're missing or that's the missing link to what's going on. Or more than anything, I think people aren't even in that position. They're just more saying, I'm afraid to go carnivore because I don't want that to happen to me. And so I think you need to focus more on other things like your sleep and your stress and eating enough protein is is really what we want you to take away from this.
0: I'm just going to finish up what um, Dr. Bright said. Um, in one of her comments, she just said Before the invention of agriculture, women had fewer periods, fewer babies, and no PMS. They didn't menstruate until their late teens. After they gave birth, they breastfed for several years. And so they did not menstruate during that time, which that is actually true. So I nursed Aiden for five years, and my period actually didn't come back until year three of nursing him. And so... Mm -hmm there's definitely truth to that. Um, A high carbohydrate diet gives you PMS. The high carbohydrate culture is obsessed with women's menstruation. More issues create the need for more things to sell. You don't have to eat zero carbs to avoid PMS, but you certainly don't need to eat them to have a healthy cycle. Eat carbs if you want them, but don't tell yourself it's because you need them. Usually what you need is energy. Beware of anything directed to you as health advice because you're a woman. Metabolic variability is a different issue. Someone who is low carb will have to practice eating carbs or they will phenomenally spike their blood sugar when they eat a piece of cake. If you want to have your cake and eat it too, then it might be a good idea to eat a small amount of carbs in preparation. Not everyone needs to eat a low carb diet, but it is beneficial for those with health issues. How low depends on you and your goals.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I, I totally also. Agree. I think there, you know, you have to, to figure out what works for you. I also have realized, you know, I used to have really crippling, um, when you said talked about no PMS like I used to have crippling uh, cramps and PMSing and these crazy scenarios when I, I mean in high school I would stay home from school one day a month because I was just in so much pain um, and then m- the majority of my adult life uh, I struggled with that and then you don't realize until all of a sudden one day you're like oh wow this is easy breezy I have no cramps I have no pain when I went through peanut butter gate last year and was eating peanut butter and nuts and a few other things keto treats I started having terrible cramps again and even though I was still keto or low carb, like those things started coming back again. And so I know health wise, like everything is easy breezy. When I'm strict, the more strict that I am, the easier um, those cramps, like no cramps, no PMS,
0: and I feel so much better. And I'm the same. So there are many months since I don't really track my period since I've always been consistent, no matter how unhealthy I was. So I don't track to be really honest. Um, And there's months where I'm like, oh, man, I had no signs of cramping PMS. And then I didn't realize I would be getting my period. And so I get it. And there's been a couple months where maybe I'll add in sugar-free junk, right? And then I'll feel the cramps. So I yep. totally know what you're talking about. And I mean, that is what's amazing about this diet is, I mean, I really get no cramps or PMS. And then it's just surprise, you know? Um, yeah, and absolutely. So, And I hear that often from uh, my clients too. And it's just, you know, there's a lot of information out there that is pro plants. And I know, I guess, daring to eat this way. But then when we're eating this way, and we follow things that are diet advocates, and then we get questioned, and we don't have a strong foothold on this diet, then it makes us scared, right? Because this diet is kind of new territory. And then we think, oh, man, am I ruining my health by eating this way? And that seems super scary. The science shows that we'll be okay, honestly.
1: Yeah. And that's where we I think the message we try to say in every episode is just make sure you find what works for you. Learn from everybody, take a little bit from everybody, do your own research, uh, and then figure it out uh, what works for you over time. If you are
0: Pre menopause or perimenopause, and you don't want to get those hot flashes. The reason why people get such bad menopause symptoms is because we have overly used our endocrine system, our adrenals, and to produce cortisol. Um, and a big one of that is because we've been eating way too much carbohydrates, like I'm saying, like 300 grams plus. And so at that point, when our ovaries are trying to retire and saying, okay, adrenals, now you have to produce the hormone, the adrenals are like, whoa, I'm already taxed out. And so when it's doing the shift, the kind of remnants of it that you're feeling are the hot flashes, and everything is just trying to move on over to the adrenals. But if you've been eating a diet that is not a roller coaster uh, with the cortisol, with the insulin, um, and you're just managing your stressors, you should have a f- much less um episodic menopause right you should just kind of seamlessly go into it with little to no hot flashes and i i will say i have some clients that eat high fat carnivore and this
1: i'm saying like 75 percent, and their hot flashes get less that's awesome that's definitely uh, a sign of good hormone health you yeah. know those those things don't have to be normal when you're going through that yes which is great um I think that's a good place. My computer's actually going to die. We want to read some reviews before it dies. So let's do that um, again. Thank you guys so much for leaving these reviews. We hope this episode was helpful and then uh, any episode are helpful. And if they are, leave us a review on Apple podcast. We want to read those right now. It's also a great place to ask us questions um, that we will then read and answer um, right here. So the first review we have is from Carly Jean. She says, I love it. Like sitting down with my super smart carnivore sisters to chat. I appreciate so much this podcast. Judy's the smart one. I just Google stuff. So other than that, um, it is, uh, she is like my sister though. Laura's being humble. (laughs) Okay. Um, Next one is um,
0: Zavi's grandma, Grammy, uh, real talk. I love how they share their personal experiences, both positive and negative. They explore issues that are relative to a long-term healthy lifestyle thank you. We try to keep it real.
1: Yeah. The next one is from Mikey J Outler. Um, it's titled bougie butter. You two were hilarious on the carnivore disillusionment podcast. So much to unpack, but Laura, I need an explanation for the bougie butter. You mentioned specifically a recipe like you. I never find myself gnawing on a cold stick of butter. Great show. Um, I mentioned bougie butter. It's the brand is chef chamois. Um, we call it my ShamWow butter, but it's uh, Chef S-H-A-M-Y. And I get it at Sam's Club or I think they have it on Amazon, but it's this it's called like European whipped salted butter. So I, it's fluffy. It's whipped. It's like really salty. It's so delicious. And I just take my carnivore snacks or beef jerky. Uh, I put that on all my steaks and it looks white almost. So it's, it's whipped. I always get comments like, what kind of butter do I have is so white. So that's my bougie butter. No recipe. Um, they make a garlic Parmesan one as well that I put on any kind of seafood or shrimp. It's just unbelievable. So find a Sam's Club or look up Chef chamois on Amazon. And we'll put something in
0: the show notes, at least how it's spelled, maybe so. Okay, the next one is D Riller 450. Love you both. I've been following both of you during my entire carnivore journey about a year now. You two are easy to listen to and relatable. I love Judy's science talk and real talk on both podcasts. It's nice to have questions answered without even asking them. You cover it all. Thanks so much for continuing to talk to us and get info out there. Because of you both, I've been able to lose 60 pounds, no more bloating from veg, and I've been able to get my brother to start carnivore because he has some gut issues that I know going meat-based will drastically improve. I've also been able to get my metabolically damaged mother onto at least an animal-based keto diet for now, hoping she'll be able to remove her keto sweets over time. She She eats no veggies, though. Her body cannot handle them well at all. So she basically eats meat, eggs, dairy, and those darn Quest bars, stevia, and peanut butter. Thank you both for your knowledge and time you spend putting these talks out there to help us. Love you both. Thank you. The the one thing I'll just say is that I always get concerned with if you're eating too many carbs with a very high saturated fat, um, those two combined, since both of them are fuels for our body, the fat will get stored and the concern is just what does that do for our overall metabolic health? Um, I don't think there's a lot of talk about that. I mean, it's okay to eat a little bit of berries, a little bit of carbohydrates, but if we eat like 200 grams, but with like a high fat carnivore diet, like what will that do to our health? And I don't think that's necessarily ideal. I don't think your mom is eating that way, but it was just something that actually was going to bring up earlier and I completely forgot, but I just wanted to, um, share that. But thank you for this, um, very kind review.
1: Okay, and the last one for today is from J Mackie Ten. Like listening in on your good friends. I had the pleasure of meeting Laura and Judy in person in Austin, Texas at a meetup. It turns out we have a ton in common as far as being meat eaters and moms of two. Actually, I think this is Jamie. I remember her. Uh, They're so down to earth and I just love listening to their conversations. She says, I feel like I get to eavesdrop in on some good friend conversations. I appreciate the realness and emotion of these two ladies and I always look forward to their next podcast and can't wait for more to come. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Jamie. Jamie. Uh, She was so sweet and lives near. I think she drove like several hours that day to see us and, and stepped out and did that, which is so awesome. That's the awesome thing about those meetups is just obviously connecting with other people in your area. I'm going to Denver uh, and going to have dinner with some people like put that out there. And so we're going to all go to Fogo and have dinner with some people that happen to live in Denver since I travel so much now. So I always encourage people to schedule those meetups and Jamie, it was wonderful meeting you and thank you so much for the review these really help us in being able to spread this word and and share our podcast more.
0: Yeah. um, These are really helpful and it's just kind to know, kind of get a pulse of what we're sharing and if it's helpful. Um, I know that some people have reached out to my email directly because they're like, I can't find Laura's email. So they just go on nutrition with Judy, but (laughs) the best thing to do is leave reviews here or even questions. And then we can answer them as we read these reviews. So thank you again for all your support. But if you, you know, if there's a topic you guys want us to talk about or bring up or even bring up as a question, um, just please leave it as a review and we will
1: bring it up. Absolutely. That's a great way to get that information to us for sure. We'll talk to you
0: guys next week. Bye guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review on Apple podcasts. This helps us to share a real talk with more community members. You can also find my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Care in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on our YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find our YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thank you again for joining us. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels you can also follow my content on nutrition with judy's instagram youtube facebook and twitter you can find carnivore cure in paperback ebook and audio on amazon i also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates you can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com you can find laura on instagram at laura Eastbath. you can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.